Thank you for that introduction. Uh, my wife of, well, 33 years, heading on 34 in, what, two months, right? And uh, so I'm just blessed all over the place, but she was able to make it here with us today. So um, good morning, Red Hills. I wanted to express to you how glad I am to be back here. Uh, Thank you for the invite. And if you are visiting as I am visiting, I want to let you know that uh, the leadership of this church wants to make it clear you are here and they want to make sure you're welcomed. They want to make sure that you feel comfortable. Uh, They know that you could be just about anywhere else in the world, but you chose to be here today with us worshiping our God. So thank you very much. Now, before I start anything, I noticed that on the back of the bulletin, there's a place for sermon notes. Here's what I did not do. I did not send a PowerPoint. There is a one slide for today. You're going to get to know that slide very well. Other than that, it's on you to grab your Bibles or grab your phones and get on to whatever you use for a Bible these days and... Uh, find this book called Zephaniah. It's a small book in the Old Testament. And if you need to, if you really need to uh, look in your concordance or not concordance, your contents, table contents, go for it. But I just decided we needed to go here today because it's June and uh, summer has hit. Now, I don't know if you know where I'm from. I'm in uh, Las Vegas right now. And summer kind of came in really strong this last week. Uh, 113, 114 when uh, Lisa and I left to come here. So summer's here. How many of you know that? (laughs) I know it very well. But here's something else that we know about June. Father's Day. How many of you are fathers here today? Me too, me too. Father's Day. By the way, Father's Day is two Sundays from now. Uh, Just in case anybody was wondering, that was a friendly service announcement. You're welcome. I wanted to preach on God with us as a father. I thought it was appropriate for us today as we move in. So as you find your way to Zephaniah chapter 3, I want to open up with some remarks here. This is a passage where God calls his people by a specific name, a specific word. It's an endearing word. He uses the word daughter and daughter Zion, which are names for the people of Israel. We get that. But these are names of endearment. And we need to understand that God loves us. As a father loves his child. That's why I decided to write this message and preach it today. Now, a Facebook post about three and a half years ago kind of went viral by a guy named Mike Levy. Perhaps you saw it, maybe you didn't. But it was a picture of this guy named Hal Vaughn and his daughter Pierce. Now, what's interesting is it was Christmas Eve, early Christmas Eve during the day. And he gets on this airplane, Mike does, sits right next to Hal Vaughn, and he asks the question, because it's Christmas Eve, what's the question you think he's going to ask? Where are you going? That was the question. How many of you ever asked that question on a plane? 
Okay, good, good, good. Now I know who uh, are the ones who are willing to interact with people, right? All right. So Mike asks him, where are you going? Val, or Mr. Vaughn, just turns around and says, nowhere really. The journey is my destination. That was his answer. And Mike, for a couple of seconds, just sat there thinking about that. And he goes, no, 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 no. You're going somewhere. You bought a ticket somewhere. And so he turns around, and tongue-in-cheek, he kind of seemed to say, hey, look, I know you bought a ticket, but you bought a ticket to nowhere? By the way, are you coming back from nowhere? Literally, that's what he asked. And Vaughn just nicely answered back, I'm not really going anywhere, honestly. I'm going to this city, that city, and all of a sudden he starts naming off Six different cities he's heading to between Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. And then he said this, that his daughter is a flight attendant for the airlines that they are flying on. And she works all Christmas Eve into Christmas morning. So Vaughn booked flights on every flight his daughter was working on, Pierce, just so that he could be with his daughter on Christmas. And everybody said, I heard the awe earlier, I know, thank you very much. That is in fact what I was looking for, awe. Then the Facebook post showed this picture of the father and the daughter. Here's the thing, fatherhood is a powerful image, which is why we say awe to this story. And fatherhood, this image is a powerful one, and it makes its way into Scripture because of its power. It conveys God's great love to us. The reason we love this Facebook story so much is the very same reason we will love Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 17 so much. See, we long for this intimate relationship with the Father. We do. There's something in you and I that longs for someone to pursue us in this way, to love you in this way. Peggy Dexler, a professor at Cornell University, has done a lot of research on fatherhood, specifically father and daughter relationships. And on on women who are successful and lead big companies. Now, these women are high executives and leading companies, and Peggy found this in her research, that there was this relationship with their dad. Well, we can figure that out, right? But here's what she said. It impacts them to this day. Here's what Peggy wrote, quote, In my research of 75 high-achieving, clearly independent women, I knew I would find a strong connection between them and the first men in their lives. Many other studies have confirmed it. What surprised me was how deep the bond is, how powerful it remains throughout their lives, end quote. So Peggy, who coaches many of these very same women, these successful women, says the relationship these women had with their dads affects them throughout their life. 
See, some women, because of the type of relationship they had with their dad, well, they're trying to make their dad proud of them. And that's good. You know, my daughter kind of does that. Some, because of the relationship they had with their dad, are trying to prove the dad wrong. But their dad still impacts them, whichever side you land on. Now, as we unpack this passage in Zephaniah chapter 3, we're going to see God and that God is ever-present. We're going to see that our Father, who loves us so much, He wants a relationship with us where He calls us these endearing names, daughter. What we will see in this passage is that no matter what kind of an earthly father you had or didn't have, God is a father that pursues you. God is always with you. He is not distant, and he is always interested in you. By the way, it's a blueprint for us dads today. What we will also see in Zephaniah chapter 3 is that our father is the perfect father. You can have a connection with him that actually transcends the relationship that you had with your earthly father. Now, listen to me here. Listen to me here. I say this because some of us, maybe some of you in the room, I know for me this is the case. My father was not around when I was growing up. For some of you, your father, you wish he wasn't around because... Let's face it, he was a poor excuse for a a human. For us who are on that side, along with those who had a great relationship with their dad, here's what we can know from Scripture. Our Heavenly Father is perfect. He is ever-present and loves us and wants the best for us. So we're going to read Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. Again, it's a small book, quick read, first three chapters. We actually see God pronouncing judgment over Israel for the wrong that they have done. Here's a taste of that judgment, just so you know. It's in chapter 3, so you don't have to go anywhere. Verse number 7, here's what it says. God is speaking. I'm using God's word translation. Here's what it says. I, God, I said to my people, you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then their homeland would not be wiped out even though I have punished them. Still, they continue to be corrupt in everything they did. You know what amazes me just about this, aside from the punishment, is that they continually stay corrupt. All right. I'm going to emphasize four phrases today, but before I do that, I want to read Zephaniah chapter 3. We should all be there by now. 14 through 17. So here we go. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your what? Heart. Daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemies. 
the Lord, the King of Israel, is with who? Who? Thank you for the affirmation. I needed that today. By the way, he's with you as well. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, so I'm going to pause right here, those three words, on that day is a clue. It lets us know he's referring to something that's going to happen in his future. All right. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take delight in you. His love, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with, what's that word? Singing. So Zephaniah is prophesying about a day that's yet to come for him. He's looking forward. Now, this passage describes the type of dad our God is. Now, if you're a Christian or if you're not even a Christian, but you're thinking about being a Christian, this is one of the subjects that we should be pretty much up to speed on. We should know what God's about. We should know that he wants to be a father to us. So let's walk through these four ways that God acts in this text here. And how he plays the role of father in our life. Now, I like to be interactive. There's four statements that we're going to be saying today. In fact, go ahead and put that up there, wherever there is. There it is. This is the kind of, see what happens when you're, uh, you know, visiting and everything. You're just not quite clear where everything is. This is the kind of dad our God is. Now, that statement is in all four statements. The actual statement is longer. But that statement, I'm going to ask you to help me by repeating it after I count to three. It's an easy statement. This is the kind of dad our God is. Is that pretty easy? We haven't had our coffee. Here we go. We're just going to try it out. Here's what I know. The first time, it's going to sound like, uh, I, and I get that. By the fourth time, we're going to be shouting this out. Here we go. One, two, three. This is the kind of dad our God is. Amen. So this is the kind of dad our God is. Verse 15, you just go right on down there. The Lord has taken away your punishment. Amen. If you are new to the Christian faith, here's something I know, because I've had conversations with some people. Some of the passages might actually be confusing. Pastor Al, man, the Bible talks a lot about judgment. But the Bible also talks about, well, forgiveness. Which one is it? Read Romans. You guys just finished the book of Romans, right? Read Romans. I always answer the question. All right, here's something else. That's one of the questions that pops up for someone who's young in the faith. 
Here's something else here in this text. He's looking forward to a day when judgment and forgiveness are going to happen. Well, let me just tell you, from our perspective, we look backwards and we see that day. So we have to ask the question, what day in our past saw both judgment and forgiveness? Punishment and removal of that punishment. Well, the answer is the day Jesus hung on a cross to pay for our sins. Let me just do this. My sins. You guys are perfect, right? Pay for my sins. For on that day, both Jesus was punished and our punishment was removed. Jesus is punished for our sins, even though he didn't deserve any punishment. And our punishment is removed from us, even though we deserved all punishment. Jesus got the wrath. We got the mercy. For some of us who have been around a while, we think about that and we realize, wow, how incredible that is because Jesus went to the cross willingly. He tells us that. So he goes to the cross willingly. That just amazes me every time I think about it. This is the kind of dad our God is. The Lord has taken away your punishment. This is what the Lord, our God, has done for us. Martin Luther, in one of his commentaries on the book of Galatians, says this, quote, I must hearken to the gospel which teaches me not what I ought to do, but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for me, end of quote. I love that because sometimes I just need reminding that Jesus did something for me that I could not do for myself. He died on the cross to take away my sin. And that the Father has done something for me. He's taken away my punishment by sacrificing the Son. Luther goes on in the quote. He says this, quote, Most necessary it is as well. That we know the gospel well. Teach it to others and beat it into their heads continually. And uh, I know it was a different day back then when a preacher can get away with that, right? And we know, we know it was more metaphorical even back then, although I could see Luther, I, I don't know, just with the cross. But let me just, one last time, metaphorically, Beat this into your heads. Your punishment has been removed. Your punishment has been removed. You are his son. You are his daughter. If you have accepted Jesus as Lord and you follow. That is the kind of dad our God is. He takes away your punishment. The second statement I want to get to that comes from this passage is this. Again, this is the kind of dad our God is. So on three, we're all going to say it. Are you with me on this? Thank you. Here we go. One, two, three. This is the kind of dad our God is. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. That's who he's with. I take pleasure in knowing that Almighty God is ever pleasant, present. He's also pleasant, isn't he? 
Psalms 139, verse 7 through 10, actually declares that there is nowhere you can go on planet Earth, and I have to imagine, in the universe where God is not already there. One of the phrases in that passage says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Question mark. Where can I flee from your presence? Question mark. Well, the answer, he just leads you right there. The answer is nowhere. He is everywhere. We should be amazed at this attribute of God. This is so far beyond me having eyes in the back of my head as my kids thought growing up. In fact, one of my children, when he was about seven years old, actually started parting the hair in the back of my head. I have a lot of hair. I had more back then. He's, and I go, what are you doing? I'm looking for the eyes. You say you have eyes in the back of your head. You see everything I do. This goes far beyond that. The knowledge of knowing that when I leave one room where I know God is and that I'm stepping into another place where his presence already is, That should be comforting to us. And to know that he, who is ever-present everywhere, loves me like a father, should also be comforting. See, as we mature in our spiritual life, we actually begin to see and experience God in our life more. And part of the reason for experiencing him more is precisely because we come to realize how very present he is. Everywhere we go. This is the kind of dad our God is. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Those are not just words. It's also not God calling Al up on on his birthday and saying, Hey, Al, I can't make it, but in my heart, I'm there. And it's not this. Hey, Al, it's God. Hey, I'm thinking about you. See, those are things I say to my children because I really cannot be physically with them 24-7, 365. But this is not what God's saying. Scripture literally means he's always with us. Walking side by side, living in our heart. Where we are, he already is. Where we're headed, there he is. I love that about God. Dr. Warren Farrell, in one of his books, The Boy Crisis, uses a term, you could even Google this, dad deprivation. Dr. Warren Farrell speaks about the effects of dad deprivation and how it cuts across both genders. There's only two genders, both. This is what he says happens to sons and daughters, quote, when they are deprived of a dad, there are physical, mental, social, emotional health issues that happen when we live in dad deprivation mode, end quote. Now, in the back of his book, he lists out all of these different pains that people in our society face when they've grown up deprived of a father. 
Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some examples, but I don't want to be negative. So I'm going to give you the positive examples, and you can figure out the rest from there. Here it is. One of them is living with a father doubles the chances of a child actually completing high school. The reverse is correct as well. A father who regularly visits the hospital where his child was born prematurely, statistics show that the child who was born prematurely is released sooner than the others. The dad deprivation factor predicts the bully factor. Contact with an appropriate father predicts the child's ability to empathize with others. Now, I'm just going to ask this. I'm just going to ask this. Here it is. How important is that in a marriage, women of God? Here's where I'm going with this. Our God is perfect, and he shows us a better way to live, to live like he does. This father of ours is our perfect role model. Of course, we only practice what he has perfected. But it gives us a hand up in our society as we actually learn compassion from our Heavenly Father. And we show it to our children. And we learn how to face our fears and teach them, knowing that our Heavenly Father is ever-present. That's a beautiful thing. We learn from our Heavenly Father how to behave, how to think, and how to enjoy this life that He has given us. Dr. Warren Farrell says that the dad deprivation impacts the whole trajectory of our adulthood. But I'm here standing before you to tell you that something else does as well. And this is what it is. So does following and obeying our Heavenly Father. Absolutely changes our trajectory. Line number three, your statement number three, and in three seconds here, and when I count to three, we're all going to say this. This is the kind of dad our God is. Are you ready? Uh, Okay. All right. It works. On three. One, two, three. This is the kind of dad our God is. He will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you. I can't tell you how often my children growing up would seek my validation of what they had done or said or felt. Validations on what they were thinking. And looking back, I kind of feel a little uneasy having held so much power over them. And I didn't even realize it. In fact, if there was an actual manual for children that the hospitals doled out after birth, this should be one of those topics, top of the line, first in place. Well, maybe aside from how to change a diaper. Anybody with me? Yeah. Man, that first diaper, I was like, dude, I don't know. One word from me would pick them up from an emotional collapse. Or sadly, send them into one. Mind you, I was very impressed with my children. I loved them dearly. As a matter of fact, one day, one Sunday in 1997, one of my sons, he burps all 66 books of the Bible. I know, only a dad would be proud of that, right? 
My other son does the same thing, but it took him two burps. So Jonathan, Jonathan burps it all out. And so did some of the other kids in class too. I was a proud papa that day. If you ever find yourself at a park or anywhere where dads and children gather, you will inevitably hear words like this. Hey, dad, watch this. See, we all crave a father's approval. Listen, God says that he delights in you. So we're going to do something here. Turn to the person sitting next to you and just tell them, God delights in you. Go ahead. A little moment of affirmation for all of us. I know we need it. You're welcome. Moving on, statement number four. This is the kind of dad our God is. One, two, three. Awesome. This is the kind of dad our God is. I love that little shouting voice, by the way. That was awesome. He rejoices over you with singing. Yeah. I can't help but hear the words of the song Reckless Love. I don't know if you know it by Caleb Culver. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. My kids, my kids, they know that this dad has a song for every occasion. By the way, I'm not saying I sing good. I just have a song for every occasion. I've heard a lot of this. I have, I have. But I have a song for every occasion. In the Bible, in fact, the very first passage we read this morning... We heard sing. See, in the scriptures, throughout scriptures, it tells us to sing to God with all that we have within us because he deserves that. But here, that's not what's happening. Here in this passage, what is happening is that we're told that God sings for you. And I honestly believe that the universe hears his song of love about you. Okay. God, our Heavenly Father, is never going to deprive you of himself. He's never going to call you and say, hey, can't make your birthday this year. Oh, but I'm thinking about you, buddy. Or in my heart, I'm there. He's not going to do that. See, God, your Father, will never stop spending time with you. If you read your Father's words, He will teach you how to live. He will tell you that He loves you so much. He will warn you of dangers. He's never going to forget you. He'll never uh, forsake you. He's always going to be present. He's always going to forgive you. He's always going to be active in your life. You will never be deprived of this Father. In fact, if you feel deprived of God, maybe your story is the story of the prodigal son. See, God hasn't left. He's everywhere. You're the one who has turned your back 
to him. You just haven't realized that yet. He's the perfect father. Now, I'm preparing to close here, but I have to mention this. Psalms 68, verse 5. If you were taking notes, this may be something you just need to write down. Psalm 68, verse 5. Nothing else, just that. This is what it says. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God who dwells both in heaven and is ever present here with us. He champions the fatherless and the widows. This is important. It's important to me because I honestly believe that whether it's here in this congregation or here in this community, there are children who do not have fathers and God may ask you to come alongside one of them and do for that child what that child truly needs. As we prepare to close and the worship team makes their way back up here, dads, learn from this passage how to be a great dad. Be a father that pursues your children. Be a father that is always there with your children. Don't be distant. Be interested in your children. Be a father that shows delight in your children. And, and, be a father that sings over them, showering your children with praise. I know, I know, I know, some of them are going to do this. I know that. I've experienced it. I'm going to tell you what to do. You sing anyway. Because they need to know that you love them. And moms... I know they don't sing well. Let them sing. Let them sing. Would you stand with me? Father's Day, such a great time to see our Father's love to us and to recommit ourselves to our children. I'm going to pray here real quick, but if there's anyone who has been lacking that relationship with God, our Father. Man, I'd love to speak to you afterwards, and I know there's some leadership here that would love to speak to you afterwards. Find me. I'll be in this room for just a couple of minutes. Find the leadership. And if this is the day that you need to come forward and ask God to be your Father, to be your Lord and Savior, man, make this day your day for Him. Let me pray. Great